Ladies and gentlemen, probably gentlemen, welcome back to Two Dudes with Some Balls. We got an extra set of balls in the house tonight. Our second guest on the show, Mr. Michael Ciancio. Mike, tell us a little about little bit about yourself. Tell us what you do. Uh, I live with your brother, and I watch a lot of sports. Yeah, and you're you're former. The the people don't know you, Mike. You're a former uh, collegiate athlete yourself. You want to go into a little background about that? Yeah, I I, I played four years at Seattle University. I played baseball there, and uh, went to UW afterwards. And now I'm an accountant as well as a uh, as a baseball coach. I coach local baseball players. coach. <laughs> local baseball coach. There's booth for you guys. I know you guys can recognize his voice. Um, a little bit interesting. We got Mike Ciancio on one screen, and then Booth has changed his name today to Mark Ciancio. So, uh, love to Mike here. Yeah, big fans uh, of Mike here. You're on welcome. Podcast. Uh, but anyways, we're gonna talk a little bit about a couple balls tonight. We're going back to the big balls, the weirdly shaped ball, and the small ball. That would be the big ball being the basketball, the oddly shaped one being the football, and the small one that that we love is baseball, but we're going to start with baseball today. And we're going to start with the world series. This episode coming out to you on Tuesday, October 26th. And that is the start of game one of the world series in Houston, Texas, between the Astros and the Atlanta Braves. Let's just start simple enough predictions. Booth, we're really bad at these. So I'm going to start with you. Who do you got winning? How many games? We should start with Mike first since we uh, sold so bad on our predictions. Yeah, all right. Let's not give any bias away. Fine. Mike, tell us what you got. Yeah, I think uh, I think it's really going to come down to starting pitching in this matchup. I think that both teams are missing a couple of key pieces at the starting position or that at the starting pitcher spot. And I just think that the at that Max Freed is going to be able to throw two games, maybe three if he if he's on some short rest. And I think that's really what's going to get him going. I think hitting wise, both teams have some really hot hitters with Rosario and and Guriel and Correa and and then obviously the Braves have Duvall and and Jock Peterson who you can't say you mention Jocktober. You have to you have to mention Jocktober. But I think the Braves are going to take it in six. I am a little bit biased because my roommate was born in uh, in Atlanta. Hmm. But but yeah, I'm taking Braves in six. Got Morton versus Valdez in game one tomorrow or today as you're listening to this. That's the big thing with the Astros. All other games have TBD on the pitching matchup so far. Uh, McCullers is not going to be pitching in this. Granke is even listed as a little bit of questionable to even start at this point. He will have to, but uh, they're they're in a little bit of trouble, but their bullpen was really good in that ALCS, and they got some timely starting pitching in those last couple games. What other than pitching, Mike, since I have you on the what, – what are the key factors? You mentioned some of the hitters. Do you think – the Astros being at home helps them in this series more than it does being on the road to start a world series. I think being at home always helps because you have, you have the crowd behind you, but I mean, there's no trash cans this year to bang on. So I don't think it's as big of a, doesn't play as big of a role as it has in years past, but I think, uh, I think the Braves have shown that they, they can do it on the road as well as the Astros. So I don't know how big it'll play. I think it'll play maybe a bigger role later in the series. Right. But early on, I don't think it'll play, play too big of a role. Yeah. Now, part of it is just how great, I guess, there's a tale of two sides on the Houston-Boston series because the Astros came out kind of cold to start the game after game one, and then Jordan Alvarez really heated up and sparked the offense a lot, kind of just like what Austin Riley did for the Braves. But the the pitching, how they held Boston at the end of that series, is really impressive for how hot that offense was. It's going to be interesting to see 
I feel like Houston's clicking on both cylinders right now, but so are the Braves. So that, I mean, that's how you get to a world series, but Booth, what do you think about this world series? Are you excited about this world series? First off, this isn't what uh, either of us had. Yeah. It's not what either of us had, but I'm definitely really excited for it. Both teams are red hot. Like you said, um, I think someone that Mike didn't mention, but you did was Jordan Alvarez. I think he hit 522, which is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I think the Astros lineup is too deep. And just if, if one person's not on, then the next guy up will be. So I'm going to go Astros in six. See, I want to go Astros too. And I, I think the American League, I think I've said this, is better than the National League. And it showed with the how late the wild card race was and how many teams won 90-plus games on that side of the MLB. And, and just simply experience. A lot of these Astros players have been here before. In the World Series, obviously none of us have ever been in it, but it is a totally different animal. And so the being able to be comfortable, comfortable, geez, can't talk right now, uh, in that environment, in the biggest stage of your playing career, a lot of these Braves guys, it's, it's their first time. Whereas the Astros, they, most of their starting lineup has been there a few times. So it's and being at home to open it to just makes it that much better. But if the baseball gods are really there, the Astros lose, right? I mean, they should. I don't think you get caught cheating. You never deserve to win. That team right now doesn't deserve to win. But on the other hand, if you guys did, you guys watch Dusty Baker talk after the ALCS at all? Just about one, just about his team, and then about his dad. Either of you guys? I mean, he said he looks up to his dad when he's like he misses his dad. I, it's hard not to like Dusty Baker. Okay, that's that's what I'm getting at. I thought he was kind of a, a old squirrel, weird ball kind of guy. He wears like gloves all the time and. And stuff, but he's a he's a really good soul. It seems like, and it's weird. It's not baseball related. So if there's one person on the Astros I want to win, it's Dusty Baker. I really like him as a coach now, as a manager. But uh, I want to go Braves, but I'm gonna go Astros, and I'm gonna go in seven. I think we're getting the seven game series. But yeah, that's about it for that one. I think I think the key factors is uh, is the pitching. It's really gonna come down to starting pitching. Who's gonna come up? Obviously, with McCullers out, and then Soroka's been out since the start of the year, pretty much. So it's it's kind of banged up on both sides in a way, but the offense for the Astros is too much. Any last words on the World Series? Our predictions have been the kiss of death lately, so yeah, Mike's prediction is going to be taking it. Looks <laughs> like I'm going to be right. Yeah, go Braves. It's going to transition us into football a little bit and talk about uh, a guy who loves touching balls. Actually, well, getting his balls touched. We're going to talk about about Deshaun Watson today. Um, he's the perfect guy for this show just because two dudes with some balls and but about football about football yeah you know they gotta you know they gotta wax the ball muds the mud the ball up and that stuff you know no one likes it out of a fresh case unless you're warren moon if you were listening to the peyton and eli show that they do on monday night which by the way i'll never watch a different monday night broadcast after watching them marshawn lynch was on the show tonight and he dropped Took three F-ball. shots of hennessy yeah talking about taking shots of hennessy uh, swore multiple times, dropped an F-bomb. And <laughs> this is live national television, and I knew that was going to happen or something of that that element, but uh, <laughs> it was bad, and they had to apologize for it. But he's pure entertainment. They should have him on the show the whole time. But uh, let's talk a little bit about this Deshaun Watson guy who currently has a no-trade clause in his contract, but now he's open to play for other teams. Is this because he knows he's just not going to play with the situation in Houston? Does, is he able to play if he's out of Houston somewhere else this year, or how's it how's it work? Wait, what do you mean? How does it work? Well, he's not playing in Houston right now. Yeah, it's, doesn't he just have beef with the 
the Texans organization. It's not. I've like been trying a, to understand this. Are they sheltering him from playing, or is he just not wanting to play with, for them? They just both both sides are a little petty, and uh, um, to to my understanding, Deshaun Watson is upset with the Texans management. They they didn't uh listen to his input on getting a new head coach right. or getting the head coach that he wanted. So he's upset with them and that way and then i think the texans are just kind of uh uh just blackballing them and not letting them play it's not the only person blackballing them blue balling them um <laughs> thanks mike yeah you're welcome mike Hi. there seems to be a couple teams interested in deshaun watson and the two really that are emerging right now are the carolina panthers who have sam darnold who a lot of analysts and even i feel like myself and booth kind of gave him a little bit of praise early on and also there's the Miami Dolphins, which you might be able to get a better trade out of in return of draft picks and then a quarterback who could be really good. What seems to be the better fit and does it happen this year? I personally, I, I don't think it happens because I don't even know if Deshaun will play if it does happen this year. Mm-hmm. No, There's been no news about him working out as, I mean, obviously Cam Newton's really the biggest one who shows how much he's working out when he's in the offseason or he's not playing. And you've really heard nothing from Deshaun Watson at all I assume he's still working to um stay in football shape but you you just really never know if I had to choose one it's tough to choose but I think if I think the big reason Sam Darnold's declining is you don't have that safety valve of Christian McCaffrey in the backfield Matt Rule kind of talked about it earlier this week is that they want to establish the run a little bit more to take the pressure off of Darnold yeah. Obviously, you have to be able to run the ball effectively to take the pressure off him. And so Chuba Hubbard, although he's a good potential back for the in a, in a good backup to McCaffrey, McCaffrey's kind of very special with what he can do and what he's able to produce out of the backfield, both as a receiving back and as a just a rusher in general. So I'd probably say the Panthers, as of right now, just yeah, would be a better fit just because you haven't seen Tua enough and the Dolphins would probably have to give up a good amount of Multiple uh, first round draft picks and two. Yeah. That's, that's kind of how I looked at it too. Whereas the dolphins are, were in a, you know, preseason mix to compete, to make a wild card spot this year. It seemed like, especially after coming so close last year and just how it hasn't panned out yet. And, and maybe it's still a little too early, but it's almost that ship has sailed. But uh, that would make sense if they were still in a competitive mode to win this year and feel like, Getting him would put him in the edge to be in a top wild card spot, but right now it's it's Carolina has the better shot to win out of the two, so it almost makes more sense if Carolina's going for the trade. But in terms of what do you have to give up, is you know Sam Darnold and picks is that really enough? I, it probably is almost the same value as Tua, but McCaffrey coming back in Week Nine, I I don't know. I don't think you you take the risk of giving up that much because I feel like Carolina both teams really are in a good spot with a younger core team and new coaching that they have. Yeah, and Deshaun Watson still is a top eight quarterback when he's playing his potential. I mean, the the numbers he put up last year were pretty unbelievable. Yeah, and I mean he's shown that he can be a a top five quarterback at times during week to, on on a week to week basis. But I think those two teams, even though Miami isn't playing great and Panthers haven't played great as as of late, I think that they can really have a good they have a good core going right now, and it seems like a lot of the players have a lot of trust in at least in the Panthers organization with Matt rule and what he wants to do. 
And so young quarterbacks, young teams overall are going to hit a little bit of a lull if you if you don't have that main piece on either side of the ball. And I think that's what the Panthers are kind of getting hit with right now with McCaffrey out. I like that. Booth, any any comment on this? Yeah, I think the Dolphins have been one of the biggest disappointments this year. So I'd like to see them make a move. Um, I, I don't necessarily see Tua as the quarterback of the future. I've just been kind of disappointed in his play as well. So if they went big and got a, a guy like Deshaun Watson, I think that'd be um, kind of change the whole outlook of the franchise and it could be almost like a up better. Yeah. Hmm. So I That's would like to see them pull the trigger and do it. Yeah. I, I, it's so weird though, because you don't want to give up on quarterbacks that quickly in the second year. You don't really want to give up on any player. Like even if Jeff Akuda was healthy this year and he got was probably the most criticized rookie last year, like, you know, he's probably, he's good and you don't want to give up on him yet. But how long in a, in a market like Miami where you, you're supposed to win now, you, you need to pull the trigger. Because that defense should be talented enough. They're just yeah. on the field too much. They, they struggled this week. I mean, honestly, don't blame the offense against Atlanta. The defense. I was going to say, Tua cool. still has some value right now. So right. if they're going to make a trade, they got to do it now. Because if, if he plays bad, there's no value there, and you're not going to get the same return on a trade. So that's why I think do it now and just take that risk. It's a gamble. It's really yeah, well, that's actually a, a good topic, and this is put on spot with both of you here. I know we didn't talk about this beforehand, but who are, if you have them off the top of your head, who have kind of been your biggest disappointments so far this year? You said Miami. Do you have anyone else that's kind of letting you down a little bit here? Um, I think I might be taking mics here, but the Pittsburgh Steelers, I think uh, Big Ben coming back this year, I think we all expected them to be a little bit better than they were. Um, they just don't even look competitive at times. Nice. I agree. Yeah, I, I would I would agree with the Steelers a little bit as well. They really struggled up front, both on offensive and defensive sides, both lines, dealing with some injuries on the defensive line. But the offensive line is young, and they've gotten better as of late, and it's it's kind of shown Ben's been able to stand in the pocket a little bit better. But that's more of a week-to-week thing with what type of pass rush they've been facing. Like when they face Cincinnati's pass rush, it was there was no time, and the offense was – they couldn't move the ball at all, but then obviously against weaker pass rushes, the offensive line was able to do a little bit more. So they've been able to perform a little bit better on offense, just as as team people had hoped that the Steelers would be able to do and hope that they're still back in the playoffs as a Steelers fan. But I think another team that's kind of disappointing as well, just is um, the Titans before this week. And Derrick Henry has been unbelievable, but they've really been lacking a lot of production out of uh, the wide receiving core that they built up with obviously AJ Brown coming back after, after a huge year and acquiring Julio Jones. And obviously both of those guys have been dealing with injuries and that's kind of, you saw it in the first couple of weeks that Tannehill was struggling to throw the ball a little bit better, but I think that's a team that just off the standards of what they've shown, they've been able to do with, the best running back in the league with Derrick Henry. I think they finally showed this week that they're a team to kind of be feared in the AFC and have a shot of winning pretty much against anyone in the AFC, including the bills. Right. And no one in that AFC has really pulled away as a, as a dominant clear front runner going forward. And, and it's also your, your seven weeks with this technically week eight, but you're seven games in for most teams. There's still 10 games left. A lot can shake up on either side. So someone's going to pull away. Uh, it might be Cincinnati still, which impressive win for them, but 
it's uh, totally it could be Tennessee once things get clicking and that's even the thing with the Chiefs they're probably you know that you could easily list that and we've talked about them before they're probably the they're probably the most disappointing team just because you expect so much from them and and Patrick Mahomes is getting a little bit ripped lately but I've watched a lot of their games and to be fair in his favor he's thrown up some stupid passes and made some stupid decisions like half of those balls are like dropped by the receiver tipped by the receiver like catchable catchable balls that just deflect and go and get picked. So he's getting, if you're not actually watching the games, you don't see it, but that defense has struggles too. My team that I'm kind of disappointed in, and it's almost not their fault is the 49ers. I just expected them to be a lot, a lot better. And they've had some problems, especially on the offensive line with injuries and stuff that completely out of their control. But the NFC West is almost now looking like not that fun to watch at times, but other than the Cardinals and the Rams seem like they're going to duke it out. And those, the Niners are going to be struggling to even try to maybe make the playoffs right now. So it'll be uh that's kind of where I'm at, but let's move on to the last thing. A little bit shorter topic is uh, the NBA season is back in play and it's an exciting year for the NBA, the NBA 75 with the whole 75 best players coming out and the advertisements for it. If anyone's out there that hasn't watched the, the commercial they put out where it's like Michael B. Jordan's driving the school bus. I think it's one of the coolest commercials I've ever seen. Just great videography and just uh, incredible intro for the NBA season. If you haven't checked that out, go check it out. That's free promotion to them. Um, regardless, though, let's talk a little bit about these power rankings, what we see and what what we think is funny, because I think power rankings are the most overrated thing in the world. And you can look at that straight off the rip, seeing that the Brooklyn Nets are one and two, and they're, they're ranked fourth. And the, and the ESPN article that I've pulled up right now, it literally says in the first the first sentence, it's been a slow start to the season for Brooklyn. How can you put a team in the four spot? What do power rankings do is my question to you guys. When you look at them, what do they mean? Do you get more interested in seeing the Nets being the four spot when they're bad? Or does it make you be like, why am I watching the NBA or why am I reading this? I think a team with the talent of the Brooklyn Nets is why they're number four. I think they have, their roster speaks for itself. So I think that's why they're the number four seed, but I don't think anyone really puts any weight into the power rankings because they're just something to talk about. They're not really uh, the end all be all. I feel like in the first week though, when you're trying to set the tone of like what teams have been impressive early, especially when like coming into a new, new season and maybe you want to like see what teams you want to watch. Like the first week of power rankings are kind of important in whatever sport it is, not just the NBA, like, like the, the bulls are being respected here by being, you know, they're three and zero and they got the 10 spot, which is great. They've been on Zach Levine's been crazy, putting up over 30 multiple games so far. They deserve to be in that top 10. And then you have a team like Charlotte who beat this number four team, the Brooklyn Nets in a very good game, actually on, on both sides of the ball for them. And they're not even close to the top 10. They're at 14. I, I, um, I just feel like not that it's disrespectful, but I think it sends the wrong message to the NBA viewers. Why, why are we including teams that are losing records early in these power rankings? Like the goal is to show who is, who's doing well. Yeah. Usually when I think of power rankings, I think of the teams that are playing the best currently, but also I think the, the power rankings this early in the season, especially in an NBA season, when your teams are two to three games in, the point of the point of power rankings is kind of what Booth said. It's just to get people talking about it. I 
Do I think the Nets will be a top four team by the end of the year? Absolutely. There's too much talent there and anything lower than a two seed out of the East would be a disappointing year for them. Yeah. But with that being said, who says the Bulls aren't playing better basketball than them right now? Yeah. Just based off a of record alone. And the Bulls have had a weaker, a fairly weak schedule, but power rankings usually show the hottest teams. And especially in football, when it's week to week, a lot can change and football power rankings based off of one loss. But I yeah. think in a longer season, they aren't going to weigh into one, a one-week stretch as much as other sports would. I guess I, there's – yeah, I see both sides on that argument, and that's fair. It's a better explanation. I mean, I I get what you guys are saying. I just think uh, when you're starting the season off, you know, kind of kind of highlight the teams that are doing well. And I think maybe that's a whole different article you can put out because – the almost exciting thing about the NBA is it's you could say like, Oh, you know, the net, the nets are going to win the finals and that's a safe bet. Or, you know, the Lakers are going to compete for the final and that's a safe bet, but it's not like how it was a couple of years ago when you knew the warriors were going to be in that. Like, it's not, no one's for sure. And there's such good emerging young teams, you know, Miami looks really good based on their moves in the preseason. Uh, Atlanta was obviously so fun to watch last year, late into the Eastern conference finals. Hopefully the Sixers thing, they either, I hope they either, I just want them to get rid of Ben Simmons because that team could flourish and that'd be a really good competitor for the East. And then obviously the Suns again, but then you got Charlotte, you got even the Grizzlies and Wizards are off to a good start. Like these younger teams are, they're emerging. So it's not, it's, it's a whole new game, right? It's kind of the thing they've even been trying to get after the NBA advertising. It's, it's open air. Anyone can have it. So I feel like maybe a different article, maybe I'm just looking at the power rankings and I'm mad at just that to advertise like there is more than just these superstar teams. That's what I want to get at. And I would agree that if you're three and oh, you should be in the top 10 because there are equivalent talent teams that are above them with worse records, but they have maybe they were higher in the power rankings preseason. Yeah. So they didn't want to bump them all the way down, but a three and oh start is a three and oh start. And if there aren't those big stars like Katie and Harden and Brooklyn or LeBron and Russ and AD and, and the Lakers, there's, there are teams that the Hornets can definitely jump to not be considered a middle of the pack team as of yeah. right now. Yeah. I like that take. I think that is a, uh, that's a good wrap on that because I think that's important, but really, uh, really quick. want to thank you, Mike, for taking time out of your evening to join us today. It's our second guest on two dudes with some balls. That is six balls in this room, unless you have some problem you'd like to disclose in front of all the people right now, Mike. No, I'm no, I'm good. Happy to say that I still have two. Congratulations. And just like, do you want to double check right now? Or? <laughs> yeah. You'll be over. If you want me to. Uh, hey, so anyways, it's a sports podcast, not a seducing podcast. I like it though. Um, we can do the Deshaun Watson thing for, for uh, Halloween. If you guys want, you can go as the masseuse booth and you can be, you can wear the four Texans jersey, Mike. Got any big Halloween plans? This is the last episode coming out before Halloween, Mike. What are you doing? No big Halloween plans. Probably going to be a banana this year. A banana. Nice. Yeah. You know, throw it back. Go to a classic. That's yeah, it's a good one. Not, yeah, I can't. You, just, you got the banana. banana suit? Yep. You going to wear anything underneath it or are you just going to free free banana? Well, most likely we'll wear something underneath it. You know, can't That's... get too comfy. You know, Halloween costumes aren't always the softest material. So. It might get hot, though, and then maybe I'll need to take off, you know, if you're dancing the bananas. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. But Fair. you'll have to be there to I'll check off. I've got my flight home. Booth, you, you doing anything for Halloween? People might, might care about to hear what you're doing. No, no, no. Might, might go and see what the banana is doing later. But... <laughs> nice. Awesome. Well, we wish you all 
a very fortunate uh blessed sugary i don't know what the right word is for halloween i was gonna say like merry christmas but uh we wish you a happy happy holidays and thank you for listening to two dudes with some balls uh catch you next time yeah see you guys